All right. Well, well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Thrive Church. We can uh, find our seats. That'd be great. Uh, my name is Barry. I'm the pastor here at Thrive, and I want to welcome you to worship this morning. It's the very first Sunday of 2018, and it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Okay, I'm going to try that again. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? All right. There we go. Um, man, I've got to tell you, it sounds like a lot of people are having a rough start to 2018, a pretty nasty flu bug going around. Um, and so I'm just going to, right out of the gate, we're going to pray. We believe in a God who answers prayer. He is our healer. Uh, and so if you need a touch of healing in your home, uh, would you just raise your hand so we can agree with you? I'm raising my hand because uh, the flu's got to go. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray uh, in your mighty name this morning, that you would cleanse every home and every body, God, that you would get rid of the flu bug, this virus, uh, whatever is happening in, in people's bodies and, and, and uh, being spread around, God, would you just stop it in Jesus' name? We speak healing and health over the body of Christ, Lord God. We call on your name. You tell us that when we ask, you answer. And so we speak healing. We pray for those this morning that are not here because of illness. God, minister to them this morning. I pray that they would just sense your presence uh, in their bedrooms, in their living rooms, God. I pray that, that even over the next few minutes, that they would just feel uh, an increase of strength in their physical beings. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, if it's your first time visiting with us today, I want to extend a special welcome to you. We're so glad uh, that you're here um, I want to ask you to do me a favor. If you are new to Thrive, would you grab a Connect card? You can find that right in the seat back in front of you. And would you take a second to fill out a little bit of information about yourself? And you can drop that in the offering basket when it comes by here in a few minutes. Uh, we just love the opportunity to follow up with you this week and say hi, get to know you a little bit better. On the flip side of that card, for, for all of us, there's an opportunity there for two things. First of all, prayer requests. If you have any needs, anything at all, we'd love the, the, the opportunity or the chance to pray for you and with you. So would you fill that out? You can drop that in the offering basket or at the hub after service, and our prayer team will pray for you this week. You can also write down any Thrive stories, which are answers to prayer or testimonies of what God is doing. Um, here in the next few weeks, we're looking forward to hearing some testimonies from 2017 and some mighty amazing, miraculous things God did in people's lives that you might not know about, but you need to, because it builds our faith. It's encouraging to hear what the Lord is up to uh, in each other's lives. If you have a bulletin this morning, would you take it out? And I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things. Uh, on the inside pages of this bulletin, uh, there's some information about what's coming up this week. This afternoon after service, we're going over to Finkbeiner Park. It's the first Sunday of the month. Uh, and as is our custom, we go over to Finkbeiner, grab some lunch, and then we just hang out. No real agenda other than spending time with each other, having fun, let the kids play. We're in the picnic area, picnic area A, uh, which is right next to the playground, uh, and we'll just have a good time. Uh, I'm thankful that the rain's coming tomorrow and not today, and so we'll get a little bit of sunshine this afternoon. A couple other things coming up, Genesis Process and Married for Life. Uh, Genesis Process starts this week. And so if you'd like to, to be a part of that, you can still sign up, but you have to do that today. Um, and so stop by the hub for more information on that. Genesis Process is a 20-week long class. Um, men and women meet separately and, and uh, have small groups and basically walk through a process of healing, 
finding breakthrough in places in our lives. You ever been stuck? Anyone ever been stuck? Right? There's all place, we all have places where we get stuck. Genesis helps us get unstuck through a biblical process of healing. Married for Life starts the week after, not this week, but the following week. If you're married, uh, your, your marriage would benefit from this greatly. Um, I want to encourage you to consider being a part of Married for Life. You can sign up for Married for Life at thriveglendora.org. Uh, and then lastly, camp is coming up. Uh, we have junior high camp in less than two weeks. Uh, but you, if you're a junior high student, you, you can still sign up. And then high school, your registration forms are due this week. So a lot going on, right? Check out your bulletin. Actually, I, I, I lied. There's one more thing I need to draw your attention to. January 28th, last Sunday of this month in the evening, we're having our annual uh, family or church, church meeting uh, or, or, or what did I call it here? Vision night, sorry. Vision night and annual church meeting. Um, we're required uh, by our bylaws and also by the government to have an annual meeting, but it's so much more than just informational. Uh, it's a night for us to celebrate what God is doing and cast some vision for this next year. So I want to encourage you, would you set aside that date, even today, put it in your calendar, mark yourself as busy, uh, and, and be there at 5 p.m. at the Thrive Center, uh, and we'll get to share about what God is doing in our midst and what we're looking forward to this next year. Sound good? We're going to pray for our tithes and offering. I want to invite the ushers to come forward. We continue our worship with our, with our giving of our finances. We believe that God has blessed us with every good thing, and that includes money. Can, can I get an amen? amen? Right? Who's thankful that God blesses you with money this morning? He is the provider, and, and we love to worship God by giving back part of what he's given to us in our tithes and in our, in our offerings. We believe it's biblical. And we believe that there is a principle here for daily living for us, that when we test the Lord in this, that he answers and that he shows us his faithfulness in that way. And so we want to pray over tithes and offering this morning uh, and honor the Lord. God, thank you so much for what you bless us with. In so many ways, Lord, even just think, singing this song this morning, it's your breath in my lungs. God, that the very next breath I breathe is a gift from you. And Lord, that you care for us so greatly and you love us so deeply. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would receive these tithes and offering, these financial gifts, Lord, given from thankful and overflowing hearts this morning. May you use it for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to invite someone up here in just a second. Um, we have a, a special treat for you this morning. Our friend Brenda Keene and her daughter Caitlin are with us today. In fact, come on up, Brenda. Uh, can we say hi to Brenda this morning? Um, for those of you who don't know Brenda, Brenda and her husband Gary are our Foursquare missionaries. I'll give that to you. In Kenya, uh, currently living in Tennessee. Um, and so they're going back and forth and, and doing all kinds of amazing work. But they're the founders of uh, the Jacaranda, Jacaranda Creations and the Jacaranda Community of Ministries that uh, just loves on the people of Nairobi, Kenya, and beyond. Um, and so I asked Brenda this morning. She's in town uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, and we asked if she would come and just give us an update. Tell us what you guys are up to and what's happening with the Keens. All right. Well, I have... So happy to have my daughter, Caitlin, here. Say, say, stand up and say hi. Wave. <laughs> she won't stand up. Yeah, she doesn't like that stuff. But um, I'll give you, I want to just 
kind of say something really quickly is um, we're kind of been in transition uh, this last little while. And one of the things that um, I kind of noticed how God has kind of moved our family over the years is that, for example, Gary and I have been married for 33 years. Woo! 33 years. And when I looked back and I was kind of like observing it, if I divided that 33 into three, we've had three 11 11 year kind of cycles. So the first one, we were in Canada, um, got married, went on the road full time six months after we got married, and just traveled all over the place like crazy, doing children's evangelism, singing, family crusades, all kinds of like evangelistic things. And then, and then we had Caitlin. Um, and then life kind of switched, and we had another 11-year period of time when we actually moved to Nashville, Tennessee. We recorded lots of music. We settled down, pastored in a church, and did all, you know, raised our little kids. And then when she was 11, we went to Africa. And then we were in Africa for 11 years, and we had another baby over there, and it was just so much fun. So we moved to Africa when we were in our 40s. And um, so now, then like when the 11 years was kind of coming to an end, Gary had said to me, he says, you know what? Because we kind of thought we'd be in Africa for the rest of our lives. We loved it so much. But Gary said, you know, I feel like there's a change coming. He hadn't calculated 11, 11, 11. Just kind of happened. So I feel like there's a change coming. And for me, it was devastating. Because like my, if you know me very well, you know that I love my Kenyan people. So I like cried. I was like, I'm not ready for change. I want to stay here for the rest of my life. I love it here. And I had a really good friend. And she said to me, she goes, you know, the timeline, because Gary's like, we should leave in July or August of 2017. And I was just like not ready. But she, my, my really good friend from Canada, she just t- talked me down. She's like, you've always trusted Gary. He hears from the Lord. You're going to hear from him too that this is the right timing. And she goes, in fact, it's nine months away from now to when you move. And he said, God is birthing something new. So now I'm going to cry. Because <laughs> it's hard to leave when God's given you so much of a passion for a place. You're like, I can't leave this, this people. It's not time. But yet, God is always doing something new. You know, we're in a new year right now. God's got something new for each one of you. So I encourage you to embrace it. What is that new thing? So it took me, God knew I needed nine months to prepare. When the time came, I was so ready to move. What I didn't know is a couple wonderful things that God did as we moved, as we transitioned from Kenya being full-time missionaries to what Gary is calling our full-time mission base in Nashville, Tennessee. We're still missionaries, but we're missionaries from here. And we needed that. We needed, we now have three girls in college. Caitlin's in grad school. We have two others that are in university at Wheaton. But that last month before we left, Caitlin's boyfriend called us and said, oh, I want to marry your daughter. <laughs> so we arrived back into Tennessee, and the, within the first week, he had proposed to her, and we were able to be there for that. How special is that? Because usually we don't, you know, parents don't get to be a part of those kind of things. We were there. And it was so incredible for us to be a part of her life because we had missed her for five years. She had been out here all by herself. So it was really wonderful to be back home and to be here, and to be close, and to be able to spend time with, with her. And God is, he knew that my mother heart needed that, even though I didn't know it. 
So I needed that. So God transitions us into different seasons. So now we're in this, this season. So it's been 11 years here. It was 11 years in the States. In Canada, I mean, 11 years in the States. 11 years in Africa. So now we're in the beginning of our another 11 years, I'm thinking. I think all I know is it's going to be good. Because wherever God takes you, it's good. So one of the things you can be praying for us for is what does it look like for the Keene family? How do we do missions from here? Because um, God hasn't shown us everything yet. But what we know is it's about family. It's about strengthening our family. Um, we also know that it's um, letting go and letting the leadership in Kenya. Can you believe when we went there, we had no church. We had nothing. We didn't, and we've started something, and now they're leading it. Everything we started, the school is being led by charity. The church, we have two pastors that have, we've been raised up. Uh, and they're leading the church. Jacaranda Creations is being led by Sarah. Jacaranda Kids by Pauline. Jacaranda Care by Sheila. Like, everything is in order. And we have this incredible administrator, Lucy, who just keeps everything going. And she's so powerful. And she so listens to the Lord. And we've been communicating all the time. And at the beginning of 2017, they, they believed for 500 pairs of school shoes for our kids in Jacaranda Kids and all the church people. And that was the biggest amount they had ever believed for. But you know, at Christmas time, they gave out 500 pairs of shoes. And we weren't there. And they did it. You know, we, we helped them fundraise, we did, but they did it. They believed for 350 food baskets. And almost before Christmas, they were like 120 in. But Lucy believed God, and she asked a big ask to somebody, a friend of ours in Kenya, and they gave the rest of the funds. They did 350 food baskets. Like it was just in uniforms, 300 uniforms. And when they did a youth camp, this is all in December, they did a youth camp, 120 kids gave their lives to Christ. It's amazing. But this is our leadership. And if I tell you about Lucy... The first day I ever met her, she sat on my living room couch, her head down, her hands shaking, just going, I, I, don't, I don't really have anything to offer. I, I can't really do. She could not even hardly look me in the eye. But God has infused her with strength. He has transformed her. And he's doing that all over the place. And one last thing, I got an email yesterday from Victor. He's one of our Jacaranda kids who's grown up in our Jacaranda kids program. And he's like, my prayer for 2018 is, he says, every youth in Mathari slum will know Christ. Well, he's got big dreams, 800,000 people in Mathari. But he started, he's got youth, he's got people coming. Actually, in 2017, he's been prepping been having youth gatherings every week. Our pastoral staff is getting involved, and we're reaching Mathari Slum, and it's amazing. And these are people that are growing up. So sometimes we have to step back so that they can rise up and fly. So that's where Gary and I are believing for. They're going to fly. We're going to be on this side uh, trying to find more outlets for Jacaranda Creations products, trying to raise support for more Jacaranda kids. So far, we have 220 kids. We're believing for 1,000 kids. Um, so we need to do some work on this side of the world. And the joy is that we get to be close to our children. 
um, set up home and just see what God has. So you can be praying for us as this transition, but just knowing we're still missionaries to Kenya. We're just doing it differently. And you better come back and help. You know, it's like the eighth anniversary. I was supposed to be going to Kenya on the 20th, and my, um, it fell through on the 20th of January. This lady was, was paying my way, and we were all going. I was all excited, and then it fell through. I told the ladies in Africa, I'm not coming in January because it fell through. And they're like, don't you say that? <laughs> so yeah. they're praying. So any, anything can happen. But yeah. you're always welcome to come back with a team anytime. Be spontaneous. Tomorrow, <laughs> next week. Be spontaneous. Okay, so in two weeks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's go for it. You, you know, know, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a place um, that feels a little awkward, where you feel like you're in, in two places at once or in a transition season and not knowing... And I know for Gary and Brenda, this is, leaving Africa has been really hard, yeah. <laughs> um, really hard. In fact, even as you're saying names, I'm getting emotional because there's a relationship and for you all the more. Um, one of the things I know Gary and Brenda are, are muddling through, figuring out is, you know, we have a Western mindset when it comes to missions that you're a missionary when you're in another country, but if you're here, you're not. And I know that that gaining that understanding that, and I like how Gary's putting that, that this is your, your missions base, your permanent missions base, understanding that the season that the ministry in really benefits from Gary and Brenda being here in the States, being able to, to get in front of churches and, and, and congregations and people to be able to further the work that God is doing. But I know there's not been a lot of understanding by everyone about the season you're in. And so we definitely want to be praying with Gary and Brenda in that regard um, and just praying for those open doors. Uh, we definitely are a congregation that love you, and Megan and I love you guys so much. And we look forward to future partnership uh, with Jack Randa and everything that God has in these next 11 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, are you excited? I'm excited. I can't wait to see... And then on top of all of that, planning a wedding. Yeah, which that's is, the fun part. <laughs> absolutely. Caitlin, would you come up and I invite Megan to come join. I'm going to grab your mic from you. We're going to pray over Brenda and Caitlin and the Keene family. Would you just extend your hand uh, in a sign of blessing over them? Father God, I thank you for this incredible family. Lord, even as Brenda has shared about these last 33 years, and God, this is a couple and a family who lived on the edge They've not lived safe, comfortable lives, Lord. They've put themselves in circumstances, uh, Lord, that are risky, but, but a calculated risk because they're following your voice and your lead. And every step of the way, Lord, people have been impacted for the kingdom and for eternity. Lord, from the kids that gave their lives to you as Gary and Brenda ministered through music as they traveled, Lord, from those who were blessed by their music ministry in Tennessee all those years ago, to all of those lives being impacted in Kenya uh, over these past 11 years. And Lord, we know that there are so many more. Lord, I thank you that Gary and Brenda embody what it means to put people first, to put the needs of others even before the needs of their own. And God, I know they have sacrificed so much in, in time, in resource, in energy, in finances. And God, I pray uh, that in the season of transition, Lord, that you would bless them abundantly. God, that you would just pour out the riches of heaven upon them, that they would have no lack 
whatsoever as they plan uh, this wedding. Lord, thank you for Caitlin, Lord, and we just ask a hand of blessing upon her. Father God, as, as the preparations are in full swing, Lord, I pray that there would just be joy after joy, that it would be an amazing time of celebration, God, and uh, we just look forward to all that you have for her in the future. So we pray your hand of blessing upon the Keens. Lord, as Brenda ventures into a new season of education as well, Father, I pray uh, that you would resource her, equip her, give her everything she needs to, to thrive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to Brenda and Caitlin? Thank you. Congrats. So exciting. We've known this family now for quite a few years and just love them more and more and more. Um, and you will be hearing more about Jacaranda um, and, and the work happening in Kenya. Um, Gary and Brenda and Jacaranda are a, a key partner of ours in the work going on around the world. In fact, three weeks from today, when we get to our go part of our sermon, and you'll hear more about that in a second, we'll, we'll be talking about Jacaranda a little bit more and giving you some more insight. Uh, would you take a look at the screen and watch this quick video? Thrive, grow, develop, prosper, flourish. Each of these words expresses God's heart toward his creation. In the beginning, he told the first people to be fruitful and multiply. He spoke to humanity and said, thrive. This one word is a bold declaration of faith and hope over our lives. Stability, growth, Improvement in health are at the core of God's plan for us, and it is the Holy Spirit who restores and empowers us to thrive. God's Word declares that those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive. If we abide in Christ and He abides in us, we will thrive. Jesus Christ came to earth to give his life so that our lives would thrive. And the best part? It's not limited to just one or two areas of our lives. This affects everything. Our relationship with God, our marriage and family, our work, ministry, friendships, finances, and health. No more just getting by. Hanging in there, settling, doubting, or walking in fear. Get ready to thrive. Get ready to thrive. No more settling, walking in fear, just getting by. I believe that 2018 is the year that we will see people truly thrive. It was about a year and a half ago um, we changed the name of the church to Thrive. And uh, back at that point, I'd, I'd shared a series of messages about the vision and the mission and the values of our church. Um, and if, it feels like just yesterday, but, but a year and a half has gone by, which is pretty amazing. Um, and I felt impressed that at the beginning of this year that we would revisit who we are as a congregation, that we would be reminded by God's word uh, why we're called Thrive. I got to tell you, Thrive was not just my idea. I wasn't, you know, I didn't do research and market studies and demographic studies and go, what's the most impactful word we could pick? 
It really was a God moment sitting in my office on a Tuesday afternoon as I was praying for our church. And as Megan and I were still fairly new to, to Glendora Foursquare Church and a new community at the time as the church was named then, I thought, Lord, I, I'm resistant to the idea of changing the name of our church because we've gone through so much change. And in that moment, I remember sitting there, the Lord said, it's not your church to make those decisions for. It's my church, and if I want to change the name of the church, I'll change the name of the church. When God speaks to you that way, can I just tell you, don't argue. Don't argue. It was that clear, and so I'd, I'd drawn some things up on my whiteboard, uh, just some vision points, some, some dreams I had in my heart, uh, and in that moment, the word thrive dropped into my heart. As clear as anything, the Lord said, I'm calling this church to thrive. I'm calling this church to thrive. And so it was a year, a half, year and a half ago, we, we made the announcement of the name change and went through the process of making that change. And in November, uh, just over a year and a half ago, or just over a year ago, uh, it became official. Our Foursquare board approved the name change. And, and so for the last year, we've been Thrive Church. But as we stand on this, the first Sunday of 2018, looking at this new year, looking at what God has, dreaming about what's ahead of us, I've got to tell you right now, my prayer this year for you is that Thrive would move from being the name of a church to the way you describe who you are and the way you live your life, that it would be personalized. And, and it, you know, if I can be honest, my 2017, I wouldn't characterize even for myself as a year where I thrived. There were things where even in this video, I'm going, I just kind of got by. I did the best I could with what I had, and there were some tough things that came up. But, but you know what? This year, 2018, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God to lead us into new things as a congregation, to open doors that have been closed before, to open doors that we don't even know exist, to walk in victory in places of our lives where we've seen defeat, to see healing where there's been brokenness, to see restoration where there's been loss. Can I get an amen this morning? I'm feeling pretty fired up. I'm hoping you've had your coffee today because this is big for us. So this is the first of four Sundays uh, four, four Sunday series talking about what it means to thrive. What I want to do this morning is give a quick overview of our, our vision and of our mission and, and who we are from that perspective. I'm going to read through our core values, but we're not going to spend a lot of time reading over that um, or, or, or focusing on that because uh, there's four key words that I want us to highlight over the next uh, few weeks. So first of all, our vision is this as a church. Our vision is to help people thrive in Christ. That's our vision as a church. If you didn't know, now you know. And, and it's easy to remember. Helping people thrive in Christ, starting with us. Starting with us, sitting right here. That we want to help each other. You notice that the focus is not helping myself thrive in Christ? Hello? Right? Does, does God want you to thrive? right? Amen. But, but it's not just about helping myself. It's about helping others. And there's an outward focus in the same way that Jesus had. Uh, this is based out of John 10.10. 10. This verse says that the thief, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, that, that being Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
that they would have life, that you would have life and not just kind of, not just kind of, sort of, not just a little bit, but that you would have life abundant, life overflowing, that you in Christ would thrive. So with that, that being our vision, where is God leading us? What is our goal? This is our mission. This is how we go about doing and accomplishing our vision. Our mission is this. We exist. We exist to help people thrive in Christ by, by doing four things. By knowing God, growing as disciples, serving like Jesus, and going to the world to reach others. That's what we're about. Four words. Know, grow, serve, go. Can we say those together? No, oh, wait, let's do it all together. Some of you are eager. You're like, yes, I'm ready to go. I'll, I'll, do, I'll give you a countdown, all right? So we're all together. One, two, three. Know, grow, serve, go. That's it. If people ask you, what's Thrive Church all about? We help people thrive in Christ by know, grow, serve, go. Knowing God, growing as disciples, serving like Jesus, and going into all the world. Amen? <laughs> And so on our fourth week, we'll be talking about going, and we'll talk more about Jacaranda. Along the way, we have some values that guide us on this journey. It's good to have values, core values for our lives. It's good. I want to encourage you, if you don't have core values written down for your family, write them down. There's things that, that we value in our family, and there's things that I'm sure you valued, even if you didn't realize it, things that are non-negotiables for you that help guide your steps, guide your decisions, guide your finances. Our core values as a church family are these. God first. God first. God has to come at the forefront of everything we do, every decision we make, every conversation we have. If God is not a part of it, we don't do it. If God's not leading, we're not going there. God first in everything. People matter. People matter. This is a core value for us. Not some people matter, or there are people who matter more than other people. Amen? Everybody matters. Every person is valuable and important to Jesus Christ. And as such, people matter to us. By the way, these are not the pastor's core values. This is our church values. And you might say, well, I need to learn more about that. I want to encourage you to learn more about that. But our leadership team knows this. As we make decisions for our church, this is the lens, this is the matrix we use to make those decisions. If it doesn't line up here, we don't make those decisions. Third thing is this, love does. Love is a verb. Love does. Love does. There's action to love. Can't just talk about love. You've got to do something. Amen? Grace extended. Another way to put this is everybody has a bad day sometimes. And I've seen more offenses in the church that have lasted years, if not decades, because that one time that one person said something to me or had a look on their face, and I got offended, and then I told two of my best friends about how that person offended. Now they're offended at that same person, right? Can we relate to that? Can I just tell you, this is not the body of Christ. That's not the way the body of Christ. We extend grace. We believe the best about people's motives, and their intentions, and, and, and we understand that everyone has stuff, and everyone has a bad day, and we're going to take it on ourselves to extend grace in most circumstances. 
No, in every circumstance. Jacques, you're awesome. In every circumstance, right? We're going to extend grace because people matter. We live in community. We live in community. We're support to each other. We, we, we love to take care of each other. We do. And if you've not experienced that, I can't wait. I tell you what, if you want to experience living in community, have a baby. And watch how many meals show up at your house. Right? Maybe some, someone's like, amen. And some of you are like, oh, no way. That ship has sailed. We live in community. We ministry in team. We ministry in team. Even Jesus didn't minister solo. If Jesus needed a team, guess what? You need a team. And it's an opportunity for us to serve with each other, and it adds to that sense of community. We bring our best. This is the house of the Lord, and is, not, is God not worthy of the very best we have to offer? Amen? We give generously. And I love that that is absolutely a mark of our church. For the size of church we are, especially to outward giving, it's amazing to me how much our church gives. Not just of resources and, and finances, but of time, of energy. And then we commit to growth. Because not, not one of us has arrived. Not one of us is at the point of maturity that we need to be. Not one of us is ready to just coast for the rest of our lives. That every one of us has a point and a place to grow. And so we commit to growth. These are our core values. So over the next few weeks as we talk about no grow, serve, go, I'll keep referencing back to these. They won't be the kind of the core, the, the focus of the sermons, but they will be guiding, uh, guiding principles or guidelines for us and how we walk those things out. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning. How do you measure the value, potential, importance, or significance of someone or something? How do you measure the value, potential, importance, significance of someone or something? Well, there's a, that's, a, that's a huge question, right? There's a lot of answers to that question. See, if I have a car and I want to sell that car, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to like Kelly Blue Book, right? I'm going to put in my year, the make, the model, how many miles, what kind of condition. And it's going to spit a number out at me and say, this is what your car is worth. And it's a helpful tool. Anyone else, anyone used Blue Book, right? right? It's, a, it's a helpful tool. Uh, if, if you're into uh, business, you're going to look at the stock market. You're going to check the value of a stock or a commodity or, or a mutual fund. And you're going to look at the performance of a particular uh, a stock to see, well, how valuable or how important is this company? So you have a company like Apple that has a stock valuation that makes it really like you know, the, the, the value of some small countries. And there's one company where they say, well, whether you like Apple products or not, they're extremely valuable and they've, they've, they've got a lot of significance and impact on what's happening in the world around us. There's a way to measure that. If you uh, it, into real estate or you're selling your house, you have an appraiser come, right? Or you look at the comps in your area and, and, and that appraiser will look at your house and, and the condition of the house and the community that's in and, and will, based on the market value, say, well, this is what your house is worth. And so we have these tools available 
Uh, one, of, one of the ones that's more recent is social media. We have social media. I have a friend on Instagram who, when he posts something, usually around 6,000 people like his Instagram post. That's pretty amazing. If you're not, if you're not trending with, in, with Instagram or that social media, that's fine. Let me tell you, uh, like if you get 30 or 40 people to like a post, that's, that's pretty good. Right? If, you've, if, if you hit 1,000, you're probably in some kind of celebrity status. 6,000, right? and there's a pastor friend of mine, and he just has a lot of followers. He'll post something, and 6,000 people. Right? And you say, well, maybe you're, you're some kind of celebrity. Or if you're, uh, if you're in Hollywood or an A-lister or a movie star, or you're going to have this following, and the world around you would say, well, you must be important. Because how many people are looking in on your life, which is kind of creepy when you think about it, right? But you must be important. You're in the cover of a magazine or you're in a movie or whatever it would be. And we use these tools and others like these to answer some questions for ourselves. We'll ask questions like this. Is this thing, is this decision, is it worth my time? Is it worth my attention? Is it worth my money? Is it worth my friendship? Is this thing important enough for me to invest in? We might ask questions like this. Well, how will it reflect on me? Or how will it make me look? If I buy this car, what will people's perception be of me? What my job is or how much money I make or what kind of influence I have? We'll ask questions like this. What does it do for me? Does it meet a need for me? Does it take care of me in some way? Or what do I get out of it? At the end of it all, what, what do I get out of it? Is, it? is it of some kind of tangible benefit to me? And so we can look at things around us and we can try and estimate or guess or determine what the value is. But let me ask you this. What about you? What about you? How do you measure your value, your potential, your importance, and your significance. What does that look like in your life? What are the measures that you use? Because we all land on something to determine how valuable, how important, how significant, or how much potential each one of us have. And unfortunately, I believe because of the lies of the enemy and the lies of our culture, we usually end up using the wrong measuring tools. We use the wrong standards to look at our lives and I know I've spent a large part of my life coming up short in my own eyes. Not measuring up. Not measuring up in my parents' eyes. Not measuring up in a professor's eyes. Not measuring up in a, in a boss's eyes. Not measuring up in my spouse's eyes. And, 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 and I value my life and I look at the impact of my life. And it always seems to be less than. Not quite where it should be. And it truly is. It's an age-old question. It's a question that's been asked for a long time, how do I value, how do I determine the value of my life? Or, or, or this question, is one life more valuable than another? Is there one life, because of their contribution, significance, importance, fame, that is important than another? Well, I'll just tell you right now, no, there isn't. Not in the eyes of God. That there's no one single person who's more important than another, which is interesting then because there's so often that I look at my life being less important, less significant, not as impactful. If I'm not careful, my friend who has 6,000 people who like 
his Instagram posts can become a measuring rod for my life. And I'm like, well, I'm only getting 25, so I must not be as important as he is. No, I'm on a different road, and God has different things in store for me. And can I tell you, you know this, we get in trouble. We get into big trouble when we do that. Anyone relate to that? We're tracking this morning. See, your identity, your purpose, your significance, and your value is wrapped up in one thing, in a relationship with God. In a relationship with God. It's all about relationship. What we're doing here today on a Sunday morning, what we do every week when we meet home in homes, when we have Genesis Process or Married for Life or Thrive Groups or Missions Trips, it's all about relationship. And it starts with a relationship with God, or another way to put it is know God. You have to know God. You have to know who He is and what He says about who you are. You see, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that we have been made in the image of God. This is what the verse says. God created mankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. You and I have been created in the image of God. It's, it's the term imago Dei. We have been made in the image of God. We reflect who He is. Now, of course, there are parts of God that, that we cannot possess. There, there are aspects of His being that don't translate to us. But there is a reflection of our lives that, that, that reflects who He is. His ability to be in relationship. See, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect relationship with each other. They're in absolute perfect unity and perfect relationship, and they serve each other. They're in submission to each other. They love each other, and they care about each other, and they work together. And God says we're created in His image, and because of that, we're supposed to reflect that in our lives. See, if it's all about relationship for God, it's all about relationship for us. Amen? It's all about relationship for us. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong, uh, or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. In fact, I love how he says that. Right? Their boast of their wisdom, their strong boast of their strength. I'm strong, so I'm going to have a strong boast. I'm rich, so I'm going to have a rich boast. But let the one who boasts boast, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. That the one who boasts, boasts in this, that they understand that the most important thing is this, to know God. To know God. It is at the core of who we are. If I were to build a house, I'm going to start with what? Foundation. I'm going to start with a foundation. If I'm going to have a relationship with God and a healthy perspective of who I am and great relationships with other people, it starts with this foundation. I have to know God. And notice I didn't say I have to know about God. 
Because it's possible to know about God and not walk in absolute relationship with Him. 1 John 4, verse 7 through 9. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Why? Because God was committed to a relationship with you. That that relationship was broken because of sin way back in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. And God's desire and His purpose was this, that He would send His Son, send His Son, to restore that relationship. Why? So that we could know God and that when we know God, what will we know? Love. We'll know love. Apart from God, we cannot know what it means to love. So we have to know God. We have to know God so we can know ourselves and we have to know ourselves so that we can know others. And those will be the three main points for me this morning. Know God, know yourself, and no others. Knowing God is the key to every part of our lives. So first of all, knowing God. John 17, 1 through 3, Jesus says this. He looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Isn't that great? Father, lift me up so that I can lift you up. Not what I can get out of you, but how I can be a blessing to you, For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that you would know God. That you would know God. That you would know the Father, that you would know the Son, that you would know the Holy Spirit. When Megan and I started dating, I wanted to spend as much time with her as possible. What I didn't do is this. I didn't sit down with her with a list of questions and say, okay, could you tell me 15 things about yourself that are important for me to know that I can commit to memory? I didn't sit down with her friends and say, could you just tell me all about Megan because that's, just, that's really all I need. Or I didn't call her family and say, hey, could you go back as far as you can remember and give me details about her life because that just would have been creepy and weird, right? No, I, all I wanted to do was be with her. I just wanted to spend time with her. And sometimes the conversation would lead one way, and sometimes it would lead another way. And, and there's things I discovered about her in the process of being in her presence and having a relationship and building a relationship with her. See, I didn't just want to know about Megan. I wanted to know her. We just celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. And, and here's what I know. Amen. After 21 years, we're still learning. We're still learning. We're still figuring stuff out about each other. We're learning as we grow together in the Lord. And, and, and right, I, we went away for, for a couple of days for our anniversary. And, and I wasn't like, hey, you know, Megan, we've been married for a long time. We probably don't need to go away by ourselves. Because we've been together for like over 20 years. So, right, I'm a smart guy. 
And we went and had a great time and talked and laughed and, and talked about the future and talked about the past. And, and we're still learning about each other and falling more in love with each other. It's the same way with God. Some people are satisfied to know about God. To just know about Him. I want to read some books. I have some questions. I love those. When I get to heaven, I've got some questions for God. I imagine when you get to heaven, He's going to have some questions for you too. And that's going to be way more of an awkward conversation. I want to do a Bible study and I want to read other people's opinions and ideas about who God is. And, the, and, and we walk these wide circles where we gain lots of understanding and never walk in an intimate relationship with God. Where we never experience His loving embrace. I want to encourage you this morning, one of the things we do as a church, we have a Bible reading plan that we follow. And this is not a uh, a performance type tool where like, you know, if you want to be uh, a, a significant member of this church, then you need to check all of the boxes on the page. Right? I'm not checking this. You don't have to turn this into me. This is for you. But if you're anything like me, I need tools to help me get to where I need to be. They say, if you're aiming at nothing, you'll probably hit it. Right? Let that sink in for a second. If you're aiming at nothing, you'll probably hit it. I want, to, I want to aim at some things in my life. One of the primary places where we can discover who God is and His promises for our lives, we sang about this, that this morning, your promise for me, right? If I don't know His promises for me, I don't know Him. Discover His promises for your life in His Word. And so this is a Bible reading plan that takes us up through the end of March. And this is a little different to the one we've had in the past. There's three columns and what you can do, uh, maybe, maybe you're not a huge reader and you're like, I just need kind of a, a basic plan. You can just read that first column, which will take you through the New Testament in the year. One chapter a day. If you're a little more adventurous, you want to del delve in a little deeper, you have a little more time, uh, there's a second column. And you can read the first column and the second column. Uh, the second column is a whole Bible reading plan. So it takes you through the Old Testament and the New Testament once. And then the third column adds... Uh, a little bit more, it's a one-two reading plan through the Old Testament once and through the New Testament twice in a year. These are available at the Hub, and I want to encourage you, grab one of these. You can also get these on the Bible app. It's called the Solid Life Reading Plan. Uh, each week, you might have noticed in the bulletin, uh, the verses for this week are even listed there. Why? Because it's a priority for me as your pastor to help you be in the Word. Why? So you can know about God? No. So you can know God. So that you can know God. Because that's where we committed to. That the first place where we help th people thrive in Christ is by actually knowing who He is. Now, can I just tell you, the Bible is not the only place where you get to know God. You get to know God in the midst of prayer. I talked about this last week. Pressing in in, in prayer, pressing in in community. You get to know who God is by spending time with His children. That's why living in community is a priority for us. Not because of what I can get from you, but because of what I can give to you. And when we talk about the things of God, when we share our testimonies, our faith is built and we get a better sense of who God is. Can I just tell you the subject of knowing God is a huge one. It's a huge one. And I'm not doing it justice by trying to fit it into one point. 
But, but what I want us to get a sense of at the beginning of this year is kind of coming out of the starting blocks. Nothing else matters apart from knowing God. Nothing we do as a church, nothing we set our hands to, no decision we make, no dollar spent matters apart from this, that we must know God. And the mind-blowing thing about it is, is he makes himself known. He's a knowable God. He doesn't have to be. He could, he could be that God that's like, I'm up here, you're down there. I don't associate with people like you. But he makes himself known and even tells us in his word, hey, this is the greatest blessing you can have in your life, to know me. To know me. Secondly is this, knowing myself. I can only know who I am in light of who God is. I cannot know who I am if I don't know who God is. See, my measuring stick or my, the tools I use to evaluate my own life will always lack apart from God. Always. Always. And this is not self-actualization, right? Please don't say, oh, Pastor Barry's kind of preaching self-help. This is not about me contemplating my navel. <laughs> wondering, right? This is not what I'm talking about. Knowing yourself is birthed out of knowing God. But it's important to know who you are. See, it's not self-actualization, it's divine revelation. It's not self-actualization, it is divine revelation. And we all need a revelation of who we are. We all need a revelation of who we are. Why? Because the world and the enemy are working overtime to tell us we're something else. It started in the garden when Satan came to Adam and Eve, came to Eve at the tree, and, and he questions the promises of God and says, did God really say? And he tries to break the relationship with God. Why? Because if he could break the relationship with God, Eve and Adam would forget who they are and whose they are. And that has been the crazy cycle we've been a part of since then. It's what we're born into. And so in order to know myself, I have to know God. And I have to see myself through God's perspective. One of the greatest gifts you can have for, to, to give yourself is this, to start seeing your, yourself through God's eyes. To understand who you are, the way He sees you, and not the way that you were told growing up or by the culture or by a teacher or by a, a, a boyfriend or a girl, girlfriend or a spouse or a child. Right? Because those words matter very often. They carry so much weight. And if the weight of God's word and the weight of God's perspective doesn't outweigh those things, we end up very broken. Can I get an amen? We end up very broken. And then we work just to try and measure up a little bit and we start trying to perform to please God, to make Him happy with who we are. We live in the midst of a performance-based world. Your value is related to what you offer, what you do, how much money you make, what kind of contribution you've made, how much education you have, and on and on and on and on it goes. In God's kingdom, your value is not tied to your performance at all. 
me say that again because this is so key for us to grasp. Your value in the kingdom of God is not tied to your performance at all. You are loved because you are loved. And that's it. And when we get this out of order, we start working to please God. We start working and performing to make God happy with us. It's not about performance. He just loves me. He just loves you. And that's it. It's a non-negotiable for him. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4, the last part of the verse. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever gains to me, we're, we're, what, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul was amazing. He says it right here in this, in this letter. Hey, if you're striving, I'm way out ahead of you. I had all the degrees. I had all the education. I had all the status. I, I was faultless before the law. I came from the right tribe of Israel. I had everything going for me. If this was about performance, I win. And then what do you say? But I consider all of that garbage. Consider Considering this one thing, or in light of this one thing, knowing Christ. Everything that I've attained to in my life is rubbish. Apart from knowing Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him intimately. I want to know him and every part of my being. Why was Paul able to live the life he did? Because he threw off all of the things, the shackles that the world and even himself have put on, on him. To live a performance-based life to say this. Before God, I'm loved. Before God, I'm valuable. And my value is not derived by what I do. I'm a son of the Most High. I'm a daughter of the King. And that's it. Can I tell you, if we in the church would understand this one thing, so much would change. I believe it's one of the greatest lies perpetrated on the church today. You have to perform, you have to perform, you have to perform. You come to church and what do we start asking you to do? Perform. Get yourself together. Right? We used to sing that song, come just as you are, but we really didn't mean it. Hey, if you come to church and you're a mess, can you just wait outside? Someone will come and deal with you there. What if we truly love people the way that God loves us because we understand we're all broken, yet God loves us? Can you picture that church? Hello? Oh, Lord. Because we were made to thrive. We were made to thrive. When I know God and I know myself, all of a sudden I'm freed up in this one area. I can know others. Truly know people. Truly understand who they are. 
I can value them and treat them the way God values and treats them. I can have the kind of relationship with you where I'm not expecting to get something from you or out of you. I, I, I don't have to avoid you thinking that you might make me look bad. I can embrace you and not care what people think. Doesn't that sound good? It's what we long for. Whether you know it or not, it's what you long for. It's what your heart cries out for. That people would love you and see you the way that God loves you and sees you. And it frees us up to do just that. And we start seeing the love the grace, the mercy, the kindness of God expressed in our relationships with no strings attached. See, because your value in my life cannot and must not be based on your performance or what you have to offer me. Your value to me is that you're a child of God and he loves you and he loves me and as a brother and as a sister of the king, why would we not love each other? Everything we do as a church outside of these three things is extra. It's good. I mean, it's valuable. But I think as I look around the room, most of us here have been a part of church in some form or fashion for many years. And we know this. That we can start putting program above relationship. Process above people. Fame above the individual. Even church growth. I'm confident of this. I, I would love that every seat in this church would be filled. Not so that I can say, well, Pastor Barry Pastor is a bigger church than someone down the street. No, because if that's the inclination of my heart, God will never bring more people. My desire is that every seed in this place would be filled so that more people can hear the truth of God's word, can stand together and lift their, their, their hearts and voices in worship and be connected in a community that genu genuinely cares. But I also know this, that God will not bring more people to this church that can be cared for and loved on with no strings attached in this place. He won't. Because he loves them too much and he loves us too much. So as we look at 2018 and we set our sights on knowing God more. That we would press into who he is and know his nature and know his character. And know his power and know his glory. And experience who he is on a daily basis. And hear the promises of his word. That there would be a divine revelation of who you and I are. That we would look more and more like Jesus and be conformed to his image. The image that we were initially designed with. And as we do that, that we would be able to love each other. And as we do that, the kingdom of God will be built and established. Right here in Glendora and to the ends of the earth. There's no better way to celebrate this than through communion. We're going to close our service. I know we're going a little bit over. But it's important for us to start this year, this first Sunday, by breaking bread. It is the reminder we have, it is the primary reminder we have of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us to reconcile God to man, to bring that relationship to bear. 
God's saying, I want you to know me and I want to know you. And because of that, as we read before, God sent his son. God sent his son. We celebrated Christmas just a couple weeks ago. The birth of a baby who would change everything. Why? So that God could be more famous? No, he didn't need that. So that God could have a restored relationship with you and with me. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. I'm going to pray, and they're going to pass the, the, the trays, the bread, and the cup. If you would take uh, each of those elements, and then here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Um, would you, let's go ahead and stand to our feet right now. Once you have the bread, once you have the cup in your hand, would you turn to each other, and would you just receive communion, maybe in just little groups of three or four, um, and, and let's break bread to together today as the body of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are so committed to relationship with us, that you set the plan in motion that Jesus would come, that he would live, that he would minister, that he would set an example for us in what relationship, healthy relationship looks like, and that he would die on the cross, raising on the third day, to once and for all defeat sin and the grave. We celebrate today the power of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring reconciliation, and to bring forgiveness. And I pray this year, Father, over our church, over this congregation, that those would be the marks of who we are. A people who are known to live like Jesus lived. To extend ourselves, not to get something, but to give something. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As the ushers are passing the baskets, I mean the trays, you can take those elements. And then in just a few minutes, our worship team will come back up and we'll close this morning uh, with a time of praise.